0: Let's go to God's Word this morning. I want to go back to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so last week we started just a little short series, maybe three or four weeks. And I entitled this Comfort for the Conflict. Comfort for the Conflict. And the reason why I chose that word comfort is because that is one of the key words in this letter that paul writes to the church at corinth these 13 chapters he uses that word comfort about 20 times and one thing about as you read 2 corinthians you can see paul he's very transparent with his struggles he's very transparent with his difficulties and he says two times in chapter 4 Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We do not lose courage. We do not grow faint. We do not become despondent in the midst of our trials and difficulties. And so how is it that we can keep from losing heart? Well, last week we looked at verse 7 of chapter 4, and we said this, don't ever forget who's who. Don't ever forget who's who in this conflict, because Paul would say this in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, we are simply ordinary jars of clay we are simply ordinary dishes we are not the fine china but the importance for us is that as an ordinary dish that we be clean and available for his service then he says so that the surpassing greatness of power will be from god and not our and so because we are jars of clay We must depend on God's power and not our own. Because our ability comes from God. There's no such thing as a super Christian, but we are just Christians who have a superpower living inside of us. And so... The second thing I think we need to understand if we're not going to lose heart and get some comfort for the conflict is simply this. Don't be surprised at suffering. Okay? Don't be surprised at suffering. See, when we got married, if you're married, we heard the preacher say, for better, hallelujah. But he also said, for worse. So if it gets better, still there. What if it gets worse? Still there, amen. And the thing is this, I think a lot of us, Christians in general, we have been sold a bill of goods by this prosperity gospel message that simply says, if you will come to Jesus, he has promised you health, wealth, and prosperity. Well, let's compare that to what Scripture says before we get into the main text, verse 8 and 9 this morning. Paul says in Acts 14, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Not through a few. He said through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Then he says in John, Jesus said in John 16, in the world, you will have tribulation. It's coming. I know we've heard people say expect something Great to happen, but what about this? Expect something bad to happen. That's biblical too. Peter, writing to Christians that were scattered in Asia Minor, says this in First Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. In other words, don't be surprised that you're going through trials. You should be surprised when you're not uncomfortable as a child of God. So what I'm saying this morning is that you should count on the fact of conflict. Count on it. Now let's look at verse 8 and 9. And in, in verse 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is going to give four sets of contrast, each which illustrates the life of a Christian as a clay pot. But notice this before we get into it this morning in each of these verbs we're going to look at they are all in the present tense in other words they are a continuous action it doesn't cease on this side so look what he says here in verse 8 and we've heard these scriptures a lot we know these scripture but let's kind of break these down he says first and foremost He said, we are afflicted or troubled, your translation may say, in every way, but we are not crushed. This word afflicted or troubled, it means to be pressed. It means to be squeezed. It means to be distressed. And so what he's talking about here is, it's the pressure, the squeezing, the, distru- the, the being distressed as a result of life's circumstances. It's like feeling the walls closing in on you. It just gets Tighter and tighter, and tighter. Paul says three chapters later in chapter 7, verse 5, he says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Listen, but we were afflicted on every side we had conflicts without fears within. Now, we live in a society nowadays where we want to put the biggest, happiest, most together front on our face for everybody to see. But here's a guy called by God, a chosen vessel. And he is clearly saying, listen, when we went to Macedonia, we were afflicted on every side. It seemed like wherever we went, the walls were closing in on us. We had conflicts without, and we were scared. We were scared. you ever been scared absolutely absolutely we get scared at times you ever walk into the doctor's office and you know you've had a test and he's coming back with the results and you can't tell me you don't battle fear at that time you do Paul says listen we're afflicted in every way now listen He didn't just have, his affliction wasn't that his camel got sick or his BMW got a flat tire or his swimming pool got a leak in it. He says in chapter 11, verse 23 to 28, he says, I've been in far more labors, go to verse line 3, in far more imprisonments. I was beaten times without number, often in danger, Verse 24, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys. He says, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger on the sea, danger among false brethren. Everywhere Paul went, he was in danger. There was no escape. I think it was the Psalms that said this, Oh, that I had wings of a dove. If I did, I'd just fly away. Don't you just wish sometimes you had some wings? And when you get in that argument, or those people, that's always that conflict that's around you, and you can just fly away. But the thing is, is you got to come back home where they're at. And this is what he's saying. Even though Paul was at times in his life squeezed, he was never squashed. Even though he was pressed at times, he was never crushed. And you know this, when you squeeze something, what's on the inside is coming out. Sometimes God has to take us in pressure situations to show us that we're not as strong as we think we are. We don't have as much faith as we think we do because it's easy to talk about faith when you're up on the mountain. But when you're in the valley and it seems like the walls are closing in, what do you do then? And so what Paul is saying to us is that our difficulties will not defeat us. Do you know the reason why as a child of God difficulties won't defeat you? It's because in order to defeat you, they would have to defeat Christ inside of us. And Jesus Christ has never lost a battle, and he's never going to lose a battle. And as long as Christ is in me, no difficulty that I face will ever defeat me. He says here, we are afflicted but not crushed. Then he says, we are perplexed, but we are not despairing. What does it mean to be perplexed? It means to be confused. It means to be puzzled. It means that there's something that is difficult for you to understand. And notice, again, this is in the present tense, so it is a continual thing. We live in a perplexing time. We live in a perplexing time. It makes no sense to me why a 17-year-old girl would have terminal cancer. But I know we live in a fallen world. I know sin has stained this world. It makes no sense to me. And when Paul says we are perplexed, he says there's times in his life when he sees no way forward. You ever been there? When you say, I just don't see how I'm going to make it another day. Well, when it's those like that, you know what you do? You just make another minute. You just make another hour. And it's step by step. It's day by day. And so you got to understand that we as Christians on this side, we look through a glass, a mirror, darkly. There's a lot of things in, on this side we will never understand we will never get the answers on this side one of my sayings that I say to myself and I've said it thousands of times since January 25th, 2023 is this this is crazy this is insane, I cannot for the life of me figure this out Can't figure it out. But guess what? When you look through scriptures, there's all kinds of people that would say, this is crazy. I cannot figure this out. Habakkuk. Habakkuk, that prophet of God. Habakkuk lived in a difficult time. Dangerous time. Violence was prevalent. Iniquity was prevalent. Injustice was prevalent. Strife and misery was prevalent. So Habakkuk did the only thing he knew to do. He said, I'm going to take my case to the Lord and ask God to intervene in this situation. And to Habakkuk, It seemed that God, listen, this is a prophet, either wasn't listening or he just simply didn't care. And when Habakkuk goes to God for an answer to their predicament, God answers him. And God says to Habakkuk, basically, Habakkuk, even though you don't understand what I'm doing, even though it seems like I'm not working, I am working and then God tells Habakkuk what he's going to do and he says I'm going to use the wicked Babylonians to discipline my people Habakkuk says those people were wicked than us how can you use those people to discipline us you know the reason why God does that because there's no righteous people on their own he has to use fallen people And you know what God tells Habakkuk? In Habakkuk 2 and 4, he says, Habakkuk, the just, the righteous have to live by faith. Not by feelings. Not necessarily by our understanding. But it is simply by faith. Trusting when it seems impossible. Trusting when it seems difficult. Trusting when it seems crazy. This is what he tells him. And listen, John the Baptist was no, he, he was also someone that at times he was perplexed in his situation. We know in Matthew chapter 11, I think it is, verses 1 and 2, John the Baptist is in prison because he tells Herod, Herod, you cannot marry your sister-in-law it's wrong and because of this john the baptist is put in prison and while he's in prison john's got a lot of time to think they're in prison just sitting there just thinking you know sometimes thinking it get you in trouble when you just sit there and have too much time to think what about this what about that And as John the Baptist is probably sitting there in prison thinking, John realizes that he has been prophesied about. He's there to prepare the way of the Lord. He will come like Elijah. Now listen, when it came Elijah's time to go, God gave him a chariot that just come down and just swoop down and take him away. And John the Baptist is probably sitting there in prison, saying, "When's my chariot getting here?" And John the Baptist asks this question. He says to his disciples, why "Don't you go, why don't ask Jesus something." He says, "Are you the one, or should we look for another?" That blows my mind. How could someone that baptized Jesus, that saw the Spirit come down and descend on Jesus like a dove, that heard the voice say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well please how could Je- Jesus' cousin all of a sudden as he's sitting there in this prison cell not knowing whether or not he's going to get out alive how could he say ask him are you the one or should i look for another and Jesus tells John's disciples, and I don't have this up there, but just let me paraphrase it. You go back and tell John, the lame are walking, the blinded eyes are seeing, deaf ears are being opened. But one thing Jesus leaves out about a prophecy about him in Isaiah is he will set the prisoners free. What is Jesus telling John there? He is saying, John, yes, you're my beloved prophet. But guess what, John? You're going to die in prison. You're going to die in prison. You're not coming out of this. Oh. God brought Paul out of prison, Peter out of prison. Could he not have brought John out of prison? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't understand why God will heal somebody and not heal somebody else. It has nothing to do with if they just had enough faith, they would be healed. No When you read in Acts chapter 10, the Bible says that Peter got out of prison, but guess what? James, brother of Jesus, off with his head. Jesus loved James just as much as he loved Peter. But that doesn't mean we all are going to have the same deliverance. That doesn't mean we're always all going to be healed, and God is going to always answer our prayer the way we want him to be answered. We, was at, we were at the nursing home this past week, and there was a, there was a, uh, uh, I guess I ain't going to call him a young man because he's older than me, but a, a gentleman there, and he said, Hey, come here, I want to talk to you. So I went over there, and he said, um, He said, I got you, prayed for my sister last time and uh, she died. I'm thinking, well, it's probably because I prayed for her. <laughs> you know, I don't have confidence much confidence in my prayers. <laughs> but we prayed for her sister to be for his sister to be healed, but God had other plans. And there are times in our life, as Paul said, that we just simply get bewildered at what in the world is going on. I do not understand it. And Paul says there are times in a child of God's life when he seems to be at a loss we can't see the end we don't know how it's going to turn out and we find ourselves at a crossroads in life and are perplexed as to which path to take but Paul says even though we are perplexed we are never despairing we are never at a complete loss we are never at an absence of hope there are times in which we are at our wits ends but we are never at our hopes end he says we're afflicted but we're not crushed we're perplexed at times but we're never in despair he said we're persecuted but not forsaken persecuted means to be hunted down it means to be chased to be pursued Paul would tell Timothy Young pastor, he would say in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will be persecuted if you take a stand for Christ. If you don't think you're going to be persecuted in these next few years, you've got your head in the sand. you got your head in the sand. Because I'm telling you, the pressure is about to be turned up on the church, the real church, okay? I'm not a big guy on cars, but I do know this, and I'm not a tenfold hat guy. But you know what's amazing to me? That if they get to the point where everybody's car is electric and nobody's got cash, everybody's got digital money, then they can simply turn your car off. They can simply freeze your bank account if you don't bend and conform to this world. If you don't think that's coming, you have literally got your head in the sand. And as a child of God, When you decide to take a stand for Christ, you are going to be persecuted. But the great thing about this, do you realize the church grows more during persecution than it does in times of peace? Because when times of peace, we just like to kind of get comfortable. And we'll just come to church and we'll just do our thing and go home. Even in the book of Acts chapter chapter 1-2, on the day of Pentecost, right? Jesus told him to go in all the world right? You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the most parts of the world. Boy, they were having a good time in Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, Acts 8.1 one turns to Acts, excuse me, Acts 1-8 turns to Acts 8-1, and what is happening? Stephen's being stoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And the church gets scared, and what do they do? They say, we got to get out of Jerusalem. And wherever they go, They spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says there's times in a Christian's life when it's just like they are being hunted down, they're being chased, but guess what? He says they are never forsaken. Listen, David, a man of God's own heart, he knew what it's like to be chased. He spent 10 years of his life being chased, being hunted down like a prey by Saul. Even when God took care of that, guess what? it wasn't long after that that he was on the run again from his own family. His own son chased him out of the kingdom, of the palace. David knew what it was like to be hunted down. He knew what it was like to be chased. But guess what? David would say this in Psalms 23 and 6, Surely goodness and mercy will also chase me all the day of my life. Why? Because Hebrews 13 and 5, God says this, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. As a child of God, yes, we will be persecuted. Yes, we may lose our job because of certain things. Yes, we may even lose our family because of certain things. I think it's Oregon that has just passed something that says that if you don't allow your children to transition, they can come in and take them. Wake up. Wake up. I know you say we just we live in old Addis. We just good old Addison. We don't have any. No, we do. It's here. And so he says, listen, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. No, he says, the next one is this right here. He says, we are struck down, but not destroyed. Now that word struck down, it means to be thrown to the mat. It means to be thrown down. And Paul knew, he knew what it was like to be thrown down in a fight. He knew what it was like to be knocked down in a fight. And Acts 14, 19 and 20, very interesting time in Paul's life, says when Paul was preaching the gospel, says, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having won over the crowd, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Knocked down. They said, he's dead. He ain't getting back up from this. But guess what? But while the disciples stood around him, he got up, entered the city, and the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. Here he is, people are saying, aha, we've killed him, he is finally dead. And let me tell you something, there's been many a times that the adversary has said to us, aha, we've killed him, they're dead, they're not getting back up. But guess what? If you're a child of God, there may be times in your life when you're thrown down to the map. There may be times in your life when everybody around you is saying, they dead, they're not coming back from this one, I got them now. But guess what? Though a righteous man falls seven times, he always gets back up. Not because of his own strength, but because of Jesus Christ living inside of us. And yes, there are times in our life when we are absolutely gets knocked down. It's like a kick in the gut. And then once you get kicked in the gut, you get over it, they punch you in the face, and they watch you fall down. But I'm here to tell you, child of God, you may have got thrown down this week. It may be all you can do to grab the sides of the ring and pull yourself back up. But I'm here to tell you, as Micah would say in Micah 7 and 8, do not rejoice over me, O oh my enemy, for though I fall, I will rise again. Because the Lord is a light for me. Yes, we may have been knocked down. Paul at time was knocked down, but guess what? He was never knocked out. And as a child of God, I'm still standing. I'm still standing, bloodied, still standing, bruised, still standing. Crack, still standing. Chip, still standing. I'm still standing because of the treasure that is living inside of me. And our struggle is going to continue on this side as long as we live. But guess what? We'll never be destroyed because of the treasure that is inside of us. Paul would say this in Philippians 1, 20 and 21. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body. He's not writing that from a bungalow in the Caribbean. He's writing that from a prison cell. Not knowing if they're going to any second come knock on his door. Say, Paul, it's time to go to the chopping block. And he would say this in verse 21. He says, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He said, if they let me out of this prison... I'm going to live every day for Christ and exalt him in every way I know how. And if I have to die here, guess what? I am gaining so much more. That's what you call a win-win situation. That if God allows me to continue living, I'm going to live for Christ. But if he calls me home, guess what? I am gaining so much more than anything I've ever had down here. Let's finish up verse 10 through 12. She's coming and playing. He says, we are always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Let me tell you three quick things why we face suffering, hardships, conflict continually. First thing is this. Hardships, makes us rely on God. Hardships, trouble, tribulation, it forces us to rely on God. See, humans are just known to swell up and think, I'm a self-made man, I can do this, I don't need any help. But so God takes us through conflict. He takes us through hardships so that we realize I can't do it and it causes us to rely on God every step of the way. Hardship also gets our focus on heaven the eternal. It gets our focus on heaven. Now I'm this type of person where I like to remember what happened a year ago. And I've got this little thing, it's it's called OneDrive on my phone and it backs up all my photos that I take. And every day I get an email that says, on this date this is what you did and it starts showing me all these pictures of stuff that I had done last year five years ago seven years ago and then the next day I'll get another day this is what happened on this day two, four if I took a picture if I didn't it don't say anything and I had found myself at times when I, I would say man that's when life was really good that's when life was great but you know what I've realized as you get older there's much more on the other side to look forward to there is down here just much more on the other side because as humans we're just prone especially American Christians we're just like hey we got it good We might have to come back down on the weekends to have a church service. We got it so good. But when you go through pain and suffering, it gets your focus off this world and realize this world is just temporary. It's just temporary. and gets your focus on heaven. The third thing is this, not only it helps us rely on God, not only gets us our attention on heaven, but it also conforms us to Christ. And I want to tell you, child of God, this morning, listen. Conflict will not defeat us. Confusion will not confound us. Suffering will not separate us. We may get knocked down, but we will never, ever get knocked out. I want to throw.